You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Amen, amen, amen. We are turning to Acts chapter number 13 together. I want to say how how amazing it is to have all of you here in the house of the Lord. If you're visiting with us, we hope you feel right at home. Uh, we, we're passionate people uh, and we're also passionate that you're here. We're happy that you're here. God bless you all. We're con- finishing up a series that we did here for the past two weeks entitled The Do Something Church. Another way to say that is the book of Acts Church. Because the history of the New Testament church is the actions of the apostles. It's not enough to have a feeling or a thought. We have to take action. And so we want to be the do something, the do something church. Everything we do here at First Church is organized to equip, to inspire, to motivate, and to include. My goal today is to take away all of your excuses on why not to get involved. You can say, well, I I don't know enough or I don't, I'm not good enough. Well, yeah, there's no such thing as the good enough church that that didn't exist. Uh, I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. My life isn't organized enough. If there's one thing I've learned, the fastest growth that I've ever experienced has not been when I was outside the work observing it, but when I was inside the work investing in it. That's where true life change happens. And so we are we're looking to involve, include, inspire, and equip. Acts 13, verse number 1. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, Saul is referring to Paul the Apostle. Uh, I know us preachers for years have been preaching about how God changed Saul's name to Paul. The Lord didn't change Saul's name. Um, <laughs> he changed his mission. Uh, Saul is how you say it in Hebrew, and Paul's how you say it in Greek. It's the same name. It's just two different, two different uh, ways of saying it. So Saul is there. Barnabas is there. Um, also two other prophets as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Spirit said now separate to me somebody say that with me now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work somebody say the work to which I have called them then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them we we do that here at First Church we pray for people it's not about us taking authority it's about us joining our faith to your faith our gift to your gift It is about spiritual unity. After they fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So my title today, The Do Something Church, finishing the series. My subtitle is From Call to Action. Before you're seated, fist bump your neighbor. Say, I love you, but you need to do something. Amen. Yes, yes. It's my privilege to preach the word of the Lord to you today. Have I told you lately that I love you? Have I told you lately that I love you? Stay calm, stay calm. I know all across America, people are wanting to scream, oh my God. But yes, I love you. It's my honor to be here with all of you. Uh, We are are 
going into another season of small groups. We do them on a semester basis. And so the last day of training for our leaders is today. Uh, You will go into the last classroom on the right with uh, Pastor Don. I'm starting back teaching a small group I do after the 11 a.m. service called First Steps, and I do it myself. We serve you lunch, and it is so you can get to know First Church, understand our history, understand our culture, uh, feel like that our hearts are open to you, uh, and you open your hearts to us. It's not enough for you to know us. We need to know you. Uh, If there's just you know us, we have half community. We don't want half of a community. We want to know each other. And so that is happening today. Uh, There is a great need in the world, a tremendous great need, and that is for churches to release the bottled up energy, the latent spiritual energy that is inside of them to release that energy into the communities in which they are placed. This is a a tremendous need. Now, as a a pastor, as a Bible student, I deeply believe that the local church is God's plan to reach the world. If you're waiting on a Disney-like demonstration of power, that's not how it's going to happen. The Lord's not going to send an angel to preach the gospel. An angel has no testimony. Uh, You have a testimony, and God wants to take your testimony, and he wants to use it for his glory. Can I have a big amen? Uh, There is tremendous latent energy in all of you. I believe in your anointing because I believe the Spirit is with you. And when the Spirit of the Lord is with you, it represents a great spiritual power, a great spiritual commission, and it involves the manifestation of God's presence through your hands, through your feet, through your words. The local church is the transmission of divine power and godly in God's heart to the community. Let me say that again. You've got to have a transmission to convert power into usable power. You can have the most powerful dragster in the world, one of those motors that just has muscles coming out everywhere, so loud that it busts your eardrums. But if you don't have a transmission, it's really just a noisemaker. You can't make it practical. It means nothing. Do you understand that? The local church is God's transmission system. There's no shortage of power. But sometimes we have a flaky transmission. My God, that's fine preaching. I just thought I'd give myself a compliment. It's the transmission system where the power that is invested in the kingdom, that is manifest in the kingdom, it is somehow taken from power to usable power in the community. And you are part of that spiritual transmission system. And there is invested in you deep, powerful uh, energy, focus, anointing you have. You are overflowing with latent spiritual energy, power, anointing. All ministry happens in the overflow of our lives. If, you're exa- if, you, are, if you are exhausted or empty, it's going to be very hard for you to minister to anybody. Uh, So we have, just like the New Testament church, we structure everything here in a manner where the power that happens as large groups of people worship God and glorify God, that is then taken into your world. This is shown in the New Testament through two structures of the church. First church today still has two structures. The first is uh, what they would have called temple worship. We call Sunday. We call corporate worship. We call just a regular service. That is the first uh, structure of 
the purposes of God being fulfilled through the church. Remember, there's five purposes to God. I'll real quick give them to you again and give you a little trick to help you remember them. The first purpose of the church is to worship. You see how my hands are pointing up? That's number one. The first thing is to worship. The second purpose is to minister. We do that one to another. We minister one to another. First, we worship. We minister one to um, another. Uh, The third thing that we do is we, somebody remember, evangelize. You go. So now my hands are pointing forward. Uh, We worship God. We minister one to another. We go to take the gospel to the whole world. The third thing we do is we disciple. I like to do disciple like this. Because there's no discipleship without there being a structure and generations. And what I mean by that is it's not enough for me to tell somebody. I have to first apply it so it's not just law but spirit. Spirit allows it to be life in somebody, not simply you ought to, you ought to, you ought to, you ought to. So discipleship always is a partnership. Some people want to learn, some people want so desperately to be fathers, but they've never learned how to be sons. They want so much to be teachers, but they've never learned how to be students. They want so much to have status, but they've never known how to support. And so discipleship is always two. And finally, we fellowship. We, we, we wrap our arms around each other. That means seeing the good in people who aren't like you. If you only can see the good in people who have your politics, then even the heathen do that. If you only can see the good in people who uh, look like you, cook like you, raise their kids like you, go to Myrtle Beach with you on vacation, whatever, if that's who you can value, even the heathen do that, you're making no impact upon your world. So there's five purposes in the church. We worship God. Worship is the highest calling. That is what we're going to do for all eternity after we are taken to heaven. That is the highest calling. The reason why we evangelize is because the world is not filled with worship. That's the highest, worship. We minister one to another. Don't say you love God if you can't love and minister and prefer and help and assist one another. Uh, Yes, can I have a big amen in the house? Number three, we are sent. We go, we go, we go. We have a gospel. You can't write out gospel without first spelling go. You can't write out God without first spelling go. You can't write out good news without first spelling go. You've got to go. Somebody say, you got to go. Not talking about the bathroom, but if you do need to go, we have various facilities for your uh, relieving pleasure. So moving along, Uh, number four, after having gone, what we do is we disciple. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. They choose you and you commit to them. They choose you and you commit to them. You ever try to disciple somebody who didn't choose you? Yeah, that's called being a, a jerk. You give yourself your opinion to somebody that they didn't ask for your opinion, you're just a jerk. Embrace it, accept it. You give what you think to somebody, it's not your place to give them, guess what? You're just another blah, 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 and the world is filled as blah, blah, blah. It's a partnership, takes two. You see what I'm saying? And then finally, we embrace, we include, we fellowship, we put all the fellows in one ship. So these five things happen in two structures. These are the purposes. They happen in two structures. They happen on temple worship. That's when we all come together in Bible study, in Sunday worship. And the second structure, which is New Testament, is house to house. This is small groups. That's all it is. We come together. We're built up. The five things happen as we're all together. But we have not brought our world to our place of unction. So what we do is we take the unction to our world. You are a vessel. That's why the image is shown over and over again. You are a vessel. On your own, you are empty. You are organized emptiness. That's why the things of this world seem so shallow. 
That's why you think money will make you happy until you get money. Then you think love will make you happy, and then you realize your wife's crazy. Anyway, enough about my marriage. That's funny. I don't care what you say. Um, we have, it's my wife's birthday this week. She's just a fabulous, amazing person. She's made my life awesome. It's the truth. Thank you for the life that I've had with you. Anyway, moving along. So, um, uh, points. If I don't get points for that, we probably need to call the attorneys. That's, that's all I got to say about that. So, no, no, I'm just cutting up. Uh, me and my wife are playful and tease and flirt every day of our lives. Every day of our lives. And husbands, if you don't flirt with your wife every day, your poor wife. Because she's just getting your bad breath. She's getting no affection. Anyway, moving along. Uh, <laughs> flirt with your women's. Can I have a big amen from the men's ministry? Flirt, boy, I got a big amen from Don over here. All right. Flirt with your women's men's, and women's flirts with your men's. We got to keep our family strong. I'm getting ready to do a series on family strong. Anyway, moving along. So uh, I want you to see, if you can't bring your world to the unction, the anointing, the presence of God, what do you do? You, as a vessel, take the unction, the anointing, the presence of God to your world. By the way, if you uh, would like to, you can go to our website, click today's sermon notes, and you can follow everything that I'm talking about except for the parts that aren't in my notes. Um, So it's available to you. You can email it to yourself, and all of this information is available to you. These two structures are both necessary. If you separate the coals, they go cold. But if you only put them together, you contain the fire. And so the goal is this it's like a heart function, a heart fun- function, and uh, you have a systolic, and then you have what? A diabolical stolic? Because like, uh, it's a diabolical, so- it's a joke, of course, Don, my God. Some people have no sense of humor, and um, a diabolical st- a stroke, and then a uh, angelic stroke. But anyway, enough about pastoring. And, uh, it, it's the same way you bring the coals together to refire, but if you keep it there, you don't spread the fire, and then you take them apart, and then you bring them together, and then you take them apart. And, and if a church only has one, what you have is a collection of very proper people who has no influence in their world. But if you bring them together, split them apart, bring them together, split them apart, bring them in, send them out, bring them in, send them out, pray them through, send them out. Pray them through, send them out. If they are vessels, they now can take what they have been given into their world. Is anybody here want to take what you feel into your world? Does anyone here want to be a vessel in the hand of God? So, uh, real quickly, famous, famous business study by a professor at Harvard Business School named Theodore Levitt. He is... Uh, an economist and professor there at Harvard, and he did a, uh, back in 2004, he led a very, very um, widely received and celebrated study, and uh, the project he then turned into a, a book and an article that was published in Harvard Business Review, and the name of it was Market Myopia, Market Myopia, and as you will remember, myopia is the ability to see something close, but you can never see the big picture, you can only see what's right in, in front of you, and in, in the study, which is one of the most celebrated business studies of the last couple decades. It's just, it's hugely uh, successful and re- one of the most reprinted uh, and referenced uh, studies in, in uh, the academic of business, academia of business. Um, he discovered this, business leaders often do not understand what business they're in. 
uh, he goes through 200 years, all of the story of modern business, and he, he shows sto- situation after situation, um, uh, case study after case study, where business leaders, uh, they think they know what business they're in, but they don't really know what business they are in. For example, railroad people didn't realize that they were in the transportation business. They thought they were in the railroad business. And so when they were on the top of the heap, and they had huge amounts of capital, and they had huge lines of credit, and they had huge revenue revenue flows. They thought they were in the railroad business, not the transportation business. So when the car came along, they didn't take any of their massive pile of assets and revenues and invest in cars or invest in trucks because they weren't in the transportation or in the tra- uh, they weren't in the transportation business. They were in the railroad business, and they missed what business they were in. Uh, and so they should have invested in cars. They should have invested in trucks. They should have invested in airplanes. No one had more capital than they did. They could have owned all the patents. They just had to understand what business they were in. It's worse than that. Uh, people in the telegraph business didn't realize that they were in the communications business. They thought they were in the telegraph business. And so when the telephone was invented, they saw it as an enemy. They didn't realize they were in the communications business. They thought they were in the telegraph business. There was a moment, and this should uh, wake you up. If nothing else I said has woken you up yet. 1886, the telegraph business, which had millions of dollars in revenue, could have bought all the patents to the modern telephone system for $40,000, which was less than they spent on their holiday parties. I want to say that again. There was a moment. They had all the money. And they had all the capital. They could have owned the whole telephone, the modern plain old telephone, POS, Plano telephone. They could have owned it for $40,000, but they didn't realize they were in the communications business. They thought they were in the telegraph business. I've been to churches that didn't know they were in the gospel business. He touched me. I've been to churches that didn't know they were in the people business. They didn't know they were in the gospel business. They were in the church business. And so the gospel was slightly irritating because it involved dealing with people who they didn't approve of. And people, everybody knows people are crazy. You should know you're a people and you're crazy. I want you to see, it's possible for churches not to know what business they are in. We are in the business of being a connection between heaven and earth. We are in the business of loving uh, imperfect, flawed, sometimes flaky people. And we love them as a sign that God first loved us. And if we are incapable of doing that, oh, I'm about to preach up in here, up in here. I'm going to get me an organ player up here in just a minute and make him break it down. See what I'm saying? I went to Geringer. I know what I'm talking about. 
I want you to see if we're not careful what we think, we think church is about uh, us coming together. Did y'all see my fancy clothes? Uh, did you see the trip we have planned up? We have the best softball games and uh, uh, the music is really just how we like it. We are not in the music business. We love good music. We're not in the music business. We love good preaching. We're not even in the preaching business. It's not my job to entertain you with preaching. We are Jacob's ladder that extends from heaven to earth. And ministering spirits ascend and descend. My God, I'm about to preach. Ascend and descend on Jacob's ladder. That is the business we're in. We have a building, but we're not in the building business. We have a PA. We actually, we are in the PA business. No, just moving along. <laughs> we have a PA. We're not in the PA business. We have praise teams and music. All of that are tools. This is why it's easy for churches to turn worship into culture wars because they think how we do it is just important as why we do it. And that is an error of our self-centered hearts. We, it doesn't matter how. If you can influence your community selling candy bars, I'm going to get you a pile of Hershey's milk chocolate candy bars because the how is not the thing. It is the what? You have a word from heaven. You... Where are my anointed people in the house here today? You have been filled with the Spirit of God, and you are called to take action in your community. You are called to pray for somebody. Yeah? You are called to encourage somebody. You are called to lift up the name of Jesus, not just here. It's easy here, but in your world. Come on, somebody. We're always at risk of slipping into a maintenance mentality in the church, and it's not even intentional. It's not about being lazy or carnal. All those things are very human, uh, but it's not even intentional. It's just how our uh, reality is always curving us back to self-serve uh, Christianity, that oxymoron of confused theologians. <laughs> uh, we have many functions of the church, but our business primarily is uh, bringing the presence of God to a world that is craving and groaning for divine connection. Our business is bringing acceptance and love to people who we don't approve of, and we are willing to show a reflection of God's love when we didn't deserve it. He still loved us. And therefore, we love more people who don't deserve it just like us. And that's the sign that we got it. We saw the matrix. How's that for a popular reference? We took the red pill. We got it. We understood. We cannot talk about this love without talking about this love. You see, it takes two pieces of wood to make a cross. It takes the vertical and it takes the horizontal. And if he is lifted up upon that cross of vertical worship and horizontal ministry, then all of hungry people will be drawn to him. As a church, we always risk slipping into a maintenance mentality, always risk uh, misunderstanding what the church exists for, with always a risk of us missing the point with, with this house and why we do what we do. Uh, 
what's the difference then uh, between a maintenance mentality and a missions mentality? And that is simply this, a maintenance mentality, and of course all of this is in your notes if you, if you use them. A maintenance mentality is the delusion that the church is here for me or the church is here for us. A missions mentality is a belief that we are the church and we are here for the world. You, you guys see the difference in that? The, the maintenance mentality is that the church is here for me. The missions mentality is I am the church and I'm here for the world. Uh, if we seek God, we discover the heart of God. When we discover the heart of God, we cannot ignore the world within we're placed. If you say you know God but have no redemptive purpose, you might be following a label but you haven't perceived the cross that's at the core of Christianity. If you seek the heart of God, you will discover it and you will be commissioned. You will live with redemptive purpose. Uh, We read here in Acts chapter number 13 a direct command from the Holy Ghost to separate Paul and Barnabas to the work. Now, I put in uh, the notes that I provided for you a Greek word study. If you want to take it further, if you are the study type, I commend you. You're my people. <laughs> if you want to take it a little bit further and you look at this, it's the in the Strong's uh, numbering study system. It's 873. Ten times it's mentioned in the Bible. It is very much the word referring to set apart, uh, placed apart. Um, I'm going to read five places in the scripture to give you an idea of this word. Then I'm going to talk very briefly about uh, how we normally use it and how we miss this element of it. Acts 19 and 19, we read where uh, they separate from the disciples. Um, He withdrew from them and took away the disciples from uh, the other uh, part of the crowd. Romans 1 and 1, Paul says, I was set apart for the gospel. I was set apart to be an apostle. This is all the same word I put there uh, in your your notes, aphorizo, aphorizo. And it is also uh, Galatians 1 and 15, when God who had set me apart even from my mother's womb or King James, God who separated me um, or Galatians 2 and 12, uh, he began to withdraw and hold himself or the King James version, he separated himself. Uh, he was drawing back and separated himself being afraid of. You get this idea of separated. Now, the most common way we use this word is in reference to uh, what we think of as Christians as sanctification. Sanctification is the effort you make over time to begin to transform your life into something that represents the heart of God. Now, this isn't as easy sometimes as we pretend it is. Um, It doesn't happen in a moment. Anybody who tells you otherwise uh, may be telling you what they think is true, but it will be unhelpful to you. (laughs) Uh, If it could happen in a moment, honey, this church would be full of perfect people, including the preacher. But, um, I mean, not even uh, Sister Bishop Elms was transformed in a moment. It took her a long time to receive that change of God in her life. Isn't that right, Sister Elms? Can I get a, she's not going to give me an Amen. That's all right. In fact, would you agree with me, Sister Elms, that even now the Lord is changing you into his likeness? Even, I love you, Mom. You're awesome. Uh, this is a process. It's sanctification. So it is what you do in response to what God has done for you. You see, there's a way we can live that represents the old lusts of the flesh. And there's a way we can live that shows we have eternal values. They're not the same thing. Okay, so uh, living according to the old lust of the flesh is for you to live very short term. You want pleasure now. You want to have your cake and eat it too. You think rules don't apply to you. You try to talk yourself out of moral constraints, etc., etc. But as as your nature has changed, you become more like God. You begin to think more eternal. You don't think in terms of short-term rewards. Even the lusts of your flesh are beginning to be brought into uh, transformation as 
because you don't value what the world says will make you happy. Now, it's not really about whether or not you come to church. Church is a great aid, but you can come to church and still have all the values of the world. It's a great help, but you cannot be transformed in your heart. That's the story of the house of Israel. They had outward signs, but they weren't transforming their heart. It drove the Lord crazy. He sent prophet after prophet. They didn't have a problem with that. They just killed the prophets. They're good at that. That's the story of humanity. And so you just reject what you don't like. But if you are being transformed into a heavenly value system, over time, you see something your flesh would like. Let's say you're like me and you love nice cars, okay? You see that. You see someone come rolling by in that Lambo. You know, Lambo is, is it's, it's the heavenly car. And so you can roll. And there's this part of you that thinks, oh, I wish, I wish. And you long and you think, if I could. Uh, you know, after you've been transformed for a while, you realize, cool car, great engineering, that's not going to make me happy. Right. You see what I'm saying? It's not that you don't like it or think it's cool. It's just you get it. You get it. It's, it's not where happiness is. Same thing with money. Same thing with career. Same thing with uh, status. Same thing with fame. You're not living by the lusts of the flesh. There's a new man, new woman walking in your shoes, and you're seeing the world differently. You no longer are buying into the lie. Therefore, you are no longer the children of the lie. Okay? We refer to this as sanctification. Uh, a lot of churches, or even, even in our church, you'll hear us refer to it in terms of holiness. Now, uh, holy unto the Lord. Now, that's nothing wrong with that. It's theologically sloppy because it's very confusing to go from holiness Old Testament, holiness to God, holiness to a tabernacle, and then holiness to New Testament. That, that's, that's much more. It's sanctification. And when we say this idea of being set apart, we're very comfortable with the idea of being more like the Lord and turning away from the lusts of the flesh, the sins of the flesh. Uh, we've, in fact, if you've heard this word set apart, set apart, I guarantee you, if you heard it preached, probably 99 times you've heard it used, it refers to what you no longer do. 99 times out of 100, you hear it. And that's not wrong. That's fine. We know what we mean by that. It's always referred to what we don't do. But here in the Bible, it is often used to refer not to what you don't do, but what you now have started to do. I read to you where Paul says, look, I have been set apart. I have been sanctified, or as we sometimes would say, I have been made holy, set apart to be a preacher of the gospel. Being godly is not just a list of things we don't do. It's now a mission of things we now care about. Do you see? Do you see? You must see this. And so, although 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 says, come out from among them and be ye aphorizo, aphorizo, separate, that is uh, one usage in the New Testament. That is what we no longer do. There are at least two, maybe three usages in the New Testament. That's not referring to what we no longer do, but it's referring to what we have now started to do. I used to live for myself. Now I am a preacher of the gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ. I used to be interested in my needs. Now I have been set apart to be on a mission, a missionary journey to the Lord, to the world. The Holy Spirit spoke to the church and said, take Paul and Barnabas and Aphorizo, set them apart for a mission. This is going to be a defining mission of the New Testament church. It's going to be so real and so powerful that we're going to write a book about it and we're going to call it the do something church. Wait, scratch that part we're going to call it the book of the disciples actions but that's long so let's just call it the book of acts (laughs) 
I want to challenge everyone here today. I believe you're anointed. Now you say, oh, but you know I'm not living right. Well, I already knew that. I just didn't know the details. Some of you have public details. Some of you don't have public details. But all of us are being daily renewed. Somebody say daily renewed. Daily renewed. It's biblical. I didn't make it up. That doesn't make me crazy just because I quote the scripture. Daily renewed into the likeness of the Lord. It needs to be daily because you woke up backslid. You know you do. It takes two cups of coffee to pray you through. Okay, so here you are, you're daily renewed. Not only that, the Bible has something else to say. His mercies are new every morning. Why? Because you had bad dreams. You know you did. That's right, sister. My God, help me. (laughs) I want you to see something here today. I want you to see. So we're being renewed. That does not preclude you from being a testimony of what God has done in your life. And so you come together. The church believes in you. They don't, the church doesn't see you as you are. It sees you as God sees you. Yes, churches that see you as you are is taking away permission for you to be a testimony. Churches that see you as God sees you doesn't look at how good you're doing. It looks at how God has washed you and made you clean and says you need to testify. You will never be so strong as when you get involved in the work of God. You will never be so strong as when you are the one to begin to pray. When you put your shoulder to the wheel of the work. When your life becomes a testimony, a Jacob's ladder upon which the ministering spirits of heaven can descend and ascend to earth. Church, I want us to be the church of Acts. I want us to be the church that takes action. I want us to be the church of doing something I want you I'm, I'm, I'm a formally removing all your excuses I'm formally removing all your excuses I am telling you God wants to use you we cannot forget what kind of church we are and what business we are in There's many things we do that are awesome. That's not the business we're in. But taking the unction of the presence of God into our heart and carrying it into our world and our community, that's the business that we are in. Do I have any agreement in the house here today? I'm I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come. I I have five things that I would like you to embrace in your your heart uh, today. Five calls uh, to commitment and change that are in your life. Um, I, I am shameless about asking this because I believe uh, that we are, we are only the church uh, when we are separated to the mission. Did you hear what I just said? Not just separated from the world. We are separated to the mission. This is the great frustration that Jesus had with the house of Israel. Uh, They could separate from the world, but they could never be separated to a mission. That's why Jesus threw a fit in the the temple, and he said, this house was meant to be a house of prayer for all peoples. You see, for all peoples, you have turned it into a den of thieves. 
You have taken what was meant to be the inheritance of the world and you have separated yourself from the world, but you have not separated yourself to your purpose and to your calling. We as a church must be missional. We must have hearts for others. And so we're going to take five actions. They're simple. None of these are complicated. You, all of you can embrace them. I want to tell you, I believe in you. As a pastor, we have orchestrated every part of this church to equip you, to inspire you, to direct you. The teaching that we do, the structures that we have, the style of our services, everything we do is not so much about the moment here as it is about you taking what is here into the world in which God has placed you. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to make a commitment to take action. You have to start somewhere. Something has to happen somewhere. Decide today. I beseech you by the mercies of God. Decide today you're going to do something. We are designed, our structure is designed to involve your talents, your ministry. Nothing happens around here without uh, a group of people who give of their time and support it with their hands and with their feet. We call our, our volunteers a dream team. It's just a way of saying everything the church does cannot happen without the people that make up the church. It's not about how good the band is. It's not about how good the preacher is. It cannot happen without your your involvement. And so I'm asking you to find a path of service. Find a heart, something in your heart that desires to be involved uh, in this, this great work we are involved, involved in. If you haven't been through First Steps and you don't know how our church is organized, you don't know the opportunities, you've never had a ministry's personality test, come to First Steps. We're starting the first first lesson today uh, for this month. And I'm teaching it today. It's an introduction to first church history, introduction to first church culture, and it's an ask me anything time. And so you go through this, you, you, learn who our staff is you you that's step one after that we're starting at the end of this month the second step of our let's just call it our growth track number one is first steps the second thing we call freedom and it's going to be happening the same time that first steps is happening it's a small group it's led by our pastoral staff i'll teach some of them others of our pastoral staff will teach some of them it's 12 weeks and it is designed to deal with your yesterdays you have to see this the lord had a much easier time getting the children of Egypt out uh, children of Israel out of Egypt than he had getting Egypt out of the children of Israel he got the children of Israel out of Egypt in one year but it took him 40 years to get Egypt out of the children of Israel we have to discover freedom it's not enough to have enthusiasm the Bible is a systematic get out of jail free card And God wants you not just to make it. He wants you to have life and life more abundantly. You can't do that if you have things in your past that haven't healed. I don't care how long you've been in church. If you're struggling with fruitfulness, it's because there's something that is wrong in your yesterdays that God has not healed. And he wants to heal it, but you've got to open the door. Freedom will be happening at the same time, the same food, the same volunteering team uh, led by Ernest and Clarissa that is so amazing to cook for us. They do an amazing job. They have five different teams that cook for us as we lead through first steps for people coming into the church family. And we lead into freedom, people dealing with their yesterdays. And the last thing that we're adding this fall is uh, we're calling it a ministry tour. After you've done those things, you can just you've already taken the test you've already met some of the leaders one of our hosts takes you on a tour 
through ministries. One day you can go watch Sunday school teachers teach next door. Another day you can come help us greet guests. Another day you might shadow an usher. Another day you might stand and tell the sound people, it's too loud, it's too loud. (laughs) I want you to see the church. You've got to see the church opening our hearts to you. You have to see the team valuing you and saying you would make it better. And then you have to commit to action. Come on, somebody. Number two, you need to commit to modeling. You say, I don't know what to do. Find somebody making a difference and model them. It ain't complicated. This is why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Just do what I do. Uh, Modeling is so powerful when you're wanting to learn and make a path. First, and this is the the path of all learning. First, First, you watch me ask questions. Later, I watch you and give you advice. Then I go do something else and you carry on. That's the path of learning. So it is in all of our ministries. You model, you learn, then you do, you get feedback, and soon you are effective in your ministry. So number one, we're committing to action. Number two, we commit to modeling. We can learn from each other. There's people doing well. We can model what they're doing. Number three, you have to commit to prayer. Otherwise, your heart won't be transformed. Now, if you're able to pray and yet have no mission, no heart of God in your life, I don't know what you're using prayer for. Maybe, maybe like, I don't know, self-help or something. I don't know. You should be changed into the heart of God as you stand in his presence. Luke 5 and 16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I love that verse. Often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Number four, you're going to have to commit to learning. All leaders are first learners. All great leaders are first great learners. They read, they listen, they reflect. To be a learner requires a certain amount of humility. Those who think they know enough, they don't learn anything. That's number four. And finally, you're going to have to commit to loving people. Because if you do all the first four right, but you don't love people, it's all a waste of everybody's time. Five things. Number one, the work of God includes me. I'm committing to getting involved. I'm committed to action. Number two, I'm going to commit to modeling. There's people who I can learn from quickly. I can model what they're doing. Number three, I'm going to commit to prayer. If my heart isn't transformed, I'll keep living by the values of this world. Number four, that was number three. Number four is commit to learning. We must learn how to effectively reach our day, our hour, our generation. Finally, five, we're committing to loving people. This is the key to all the work that is done through the church. In fact, loving is the necessary threshold. A heart of love is a threshold that if you cannot get over, nothing you do will matter. In fact, the writer says it so strongly. Uh, Paul, he says it like this. Look, um, here's the thing. Um, Even if you knew everything, if you didn't love people, it'd be a waste of everybody's time. Even if you spoke with the tongues and men of angels, I mean, what if you could talk to angels? How amazing would that be? Wouldn't help anybody if you didn't love people. What if you had all power? Wouldn't help anybody. What if you could miraculously see people healed? Wouldn't help anybody if you didn't love somebody. And so that is the threshold we all cross. And I want to end with this. The book of Acts has no amen at the end. Because it was never meant to end. The book of Acts is a baton that is placed in your hand. And the anointing of the Lord comes upon your life. And you feel the drawing of His Spirit within you. And you say... 
I'll go, send me. And the Lord opens your eyes to a harvest field. It's not the field that needs prayer. It's the laborers that need prayer. The Lord opens your heart to the harvest field. You say, I don't know very much. You don't have to know much. This is all I know. I once was blind, but now I see. That's the transformation. Hear me when I say this. The local church is God's plan to make the world a better place. And if the church is not doing that, then we're failing at the plan for which God called us, invested in us, forgave us, empowered us, commissioned us. Let's be the church. Can I have an amen? Would you stand with me all across the house? We're we're about to move into the prayer prayer service portion of our service. If you're visiting with us and you've never gone to a church where people come to the front and pray, I want to say, first of all, you're okay. We will not embarrass you in any way. We'll make a scene out of you at any level. That's not how we do things. But something powerful happens after the preaching, and that is the response in your heart to the drawing of God. And if that doesn't happen, really, it's like you know something, but you don't feel it. And so we have a prayer service for that reason. Our pastoral staff comes down to the front and they meet you here. Again, they don't embarrass you. They simply pray with you. Uh, If you ask them, they'll anoint you with oil and speak the name of Jesus in your life, specifically for the needs of your life. If you need healing in your life, don't don't be bashful about it. You're, You're already sick. You might as well take a chance on faith. Don't be bashful about it if you need healing in your life. Be be the first one to step out if you have something you can name. If you have something you, I need an answer for this, be the first one to step out. You know exactly what you need. Feel free right now to begin stepping out and coming down to the front. I feel like there's people here today that you're in financial distress and it's taking your joy, it's stressing your marriage, your relationships. You need to believe that God can get involved in your life. I, I can't step out for you, but your step is an act of faith today. Open your heart to the move of the Spirit and make yourself vulnerable for God. If you're having difficulty in relationships, if you're in a relationship that's about to fall apart, you may have even came to Yes, Lord Jesus, we bless you, Lord God. The Spirit of the Lord is here as a testimony, as a call, as a challenge. Remember, I've been saying this a lot lately, but I am unapologetic. Problem isn't the harvest field. Harvest field's just fine. The problem is the laborers. (laughs) That means I need God's touch in me to transform me into an effective laborer. You see what I'm saying? That means I need that. Uh, Lord, I have to say it. I apologize. That means you need (laughs) the Lord's continuing transformation in your heart to see the field otherwise it's kind of our hobby to separate from the field and then talk about how clean we are why would you go in the field it's dirty in the field people are crazy (laughs) let's just you know but this is how the spirit stirs us and if you have eyes to see your opportunity and you have a heart for the heart of God it's the easiest thing in the world to just take action start put your hand to the plow model somebody that's doing something commit to prayer all of these basic basic things learned there's not nothing complicated about this I want to have great church but let me tell you something more important than great church <laughs> you know it's possible to love church more than you love God that's what happened to the house of Israel anyway moving along don't have time for that 
I want to have a great church. But if you had to ask me, what if thousands of people in this city would be reached, but the price tag was that you didn't get to sing Amazing Grace anymore? Now, that obviously is a silly, I'm going to sing Amazing Grace till I'm dying. I'm just saying that, that, that song is sentimental to me. It means something to me. I love it. I, I, I. But there's something more important than that. <laughs> and that is our society having a light that's shining. That's it. That's it. That's it. So whatever, whatever is your next step. We're not just separated from the old way of living. We're separated to a new commission. We're separated to a new mission. Can I have a big amen? It's the same sanctification from to. It's the same thing. In other words, you can't just say, I'm, I no longer act crazy and live wild. I'm sanctified. Okay, what are you doing? <laughs> It's not just from, it's to. Not just from, it's to. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us for the cause. I pray that you would awaken in our hearts enough courage to make a difference in our world and our community. I'm praying that we would come together as coals and the fire would spring up and then we'd be spread through the city, through the community to start fires. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus name we pray church I want you to know that we as a church are getting a lot of attention right now from uh, a society that is around us the community that's around us we had a man this past week just stopped by the church he had a bunch of things he wanted to donate and he said I don't go to y'all's churches I go to church up the road he said but I see what y'all's church is doing he said I'm so impressed with how your church is involved in reaching out to the community and we all, we all know, we all live over here, but you guys are doing it. And so I want to bring my stuff and give it to y'all so y'all can use it. <laughs> that's the community around the church. So that's a good thing. Um, and now you go into your world. 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 Yes, yes, you go into your world. Lord, anoint us for the work that is before us. Anoint us for the call that is available to us. Anoint us for the vision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Very quickly before you are dismissed, number one, today we're starting back to first steps. Um, if you went through it last, the month before last, and you were in the first lesson, you're welcome to come again today um, and uh, be a part of that. We have lunch for you. If you want to learn a little bit more about our church, it's the perfect small group for you. It's right now. We're going to feed you lunch, and it's going to be great. Um, also, coming up the end of the month, Freedom is going to be starting. If any of you feel like you have some things in your yesterday that you need to deal with biblically and spiritually in order to have productivity and blessing now, you need to be involved in that class. There may be limited space. We will do a sign-up for that class. It's 12 weeks long. It's after Sunday morning service. You're going to get food. It's fantastic. We've got to see you get Egypt out of your heart. We've got to put that behind you, and we've got to be reformed in His image. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. Remember, ladies, if you haven't registered for Ladies' Day, it's going to be a great day. It's, it's fellowship. It's relaxed. It's not high tension. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 
704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.